DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision is giving you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at davisvisionmd.com or call them at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. All right, PK, we just talked a little bit with uh, Joe Ingles about uh, Alex Jensen. He worked with Alex for a year. He's able to give us, you know, some of the specific things that Alex is good at with players because he was a player who worked with him himself. Um, you know, I think you have probably heard what a lot of people in the media have heard and what I had heard for a long time was that Alex was on the pro track and the college track really wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't on his radar. He was an assistant at St. Louis under Rick Majerus, but he made the move to the G League, wanted to get into the pro game, wasn't a big fan of recruiting, and I always thought that was that. But this has gone on long enough that he must have some level of interest because he could have shut it down otherwise. And it's a distraction. Maybe it's a minor distraction at this point in the NBA season. But still, if you didn't have some level of interest, you would have shut it down. Now, possibly he's got a lot of interest here. It does seem to me a pivot from what I'd always heard. But we also don't get to interact with assistant coaches. They're pretty much off limits to the media. And you can get people in trouble. So you try not to uh, do that. So I got to admit, there's a little bit of mystery here for me as far as what Alex is really thinking. But if you've ever been in a choice in a position where you have to pick between two jobs, it can actually get pretty uncomfortable pretty quickly. And you know that firsthand. Um, where do you think this is going versus where it was in Alex's mind like, I don't know, you know two years ago or something when this wasn't on the radar? Well, I think that Alex is going to get paid. Uh, I think yeah, that uh, right. he's going to get a raise. Out of this, if he decides to stay with the Jazz, I think Ryan Smith is going to be aggressive in offering him. I don't know literally it will be the same uh, amount of money as the head coaching position at Utah, but it would be something that would be a decent raise. Same zip code is what I heard. And so that's good for Alex. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm for anybody getting as much money as they can. That's important. As Joe Ingles said, we need to be talking about Rudy and Donovan because they're making $200 million. <laughs> And that was a great line. It was a that's good a line. He- heck of a lot of cash to be making in uh, any, any line of work, obviously. So that's good news for him. But, yes, the Utah job is appealing. I, I can read you a text that I got. He's going to have a tough choice yep to i buy that i believe that and so the the good thing is it's a good choice you're you're dealing from a position of strength big time uh i I believe that he will be an nba head coach if that's what he wants uh but you don't know what's ahead here's what you do know you've got the utah job uh possibly available to you i believe it is available to him is what I'm hearing, and that he has to decide, does he want it? And if he wants it, they're great. We'll all become bigger Ute fans because every one of us, as I've said a million times over, uh, you get to you and my level that we've got uh, where we're at, it's about individuals that we root for rather than teams. We root for those teams if they're with those individuals, if whatever those teams are excuse me, whatever those individuals are for, those are the teams that we root for. As I said, I've got to root for Baylor now because of their offensive coordinator. I never would have thought I'd be rooting for Baylor, but I like Jeff Grimes, and I've known him for a long time, and I want Jeff Grimes to succeed. Simple as that. Same thing with Alex here. So he's got to decide what he wants. It's, it's, it's as simple as that, too. 
a lot of folks want him to take it. There's a lot of push in speaking with former players that I've known for so many years now because I covered the Utes in the 90s. Uh, everybody knows that. I mean, I went golfing with Britton Johnson a couple of weeks ago uh, just as a little insight to, to the relationships that I've kept over the years. Uh, because whatever you want to say about Majerus, he recruited a ton of great guys. That was what was – he was tough to cover, let's be honest, but at the same time, the kids that he recruited into the program were so awesome, and they were so fun to uh, uh, be around. Uh, a quick little story uh, about, uh, oh, I don't know, probably 10 years ago or, or so now, I was golfing in Arizona with Ian Fitzsimmons. Remember him? He worked mm-hmm. at KFAN. He was the opposite us in the morning, and yep. now he's with ESPN. And so we were golfing in Arizona, the two of us, and I hooked my drive into the other fairway. He hits his down this right side of the fairway, so we're like – practically 100 yards apart. Well, coming down the opposite fairway where I hooked my drive was Terry Preston, you know, point guard for Utah. Well, I'm having like a 15-minute conversation because we run into each other. And Ian's on the other side of the fair. What is going on, man? What is taking so long? Hit your ball already. And just a little side note, I mean, these guys that I got to know fairly well traveling with them all those years. And so there's a strong push to have Alex get that job, I think the alumni would love to see it. And so he's just the bottom line is he's got a decision to make. And uh, if he, he'll, he'll make it uh, here in, in short order, I guess. I, I don't know how much of a distraction it is, it, it is for the Jazz because I think everybody respects it. It's not like he's got some personal issue that is weighing down the team. This is a situation that has come up. And everybody knows he's an alumni, and you don't have to move your family. Jeff Judkins has told us his wife's from Utah County. He's got two young kids. You're traveling a lot, and so she has an opportunity to be with family. I think everyone respects that and understands, all right, Alex, whatever you need to do to make a decision. You know, you talk about when I was in that position, you had already decided to leave. Well, I went and talked to three or four people that I really trusted in the business, Gordon being one of them, extensive conversations with Gordon, extensive conversations with Ian Fitzsimmons, extensive conversations with you and Randy Rigby and Steve Johnson over at Simmons, blah, blah, blah. And you come to decision and then you, you go on. And obviously it worked out probably best for everybody. And so that's what Alex is deciding. And he'll make a decision. We'll go from there. I think the one thing that should really interest Jazz fans in all of this is that, uh, you know, Ryan making, uh, Ryan Smith making a really aggressive push. You know, people can say whatever when they buy a team. And we've seen Mm -hmm. enough teams bought and sold. We've pretty much heard and said everything. And it really is a lot like the coaching hires. When you talk about you think you know, but you don't really know. And you can be crossed up when a sale happens and think, ugh, this is going to be terrible. And then it actually works out pretty well, right? And then you can also, I mean, when Jerry Jones bought the Cowboys and fired Tom Landry, the outcry was, little did people know that the next decade was going to be awesome. Now, the funny thing is, the first decade didn't really tell you how the second and third decade were going to go, right? So you never really know. But you do want an owner who's going to be aggressive. And I think on the whole, and there's plenty of exceptions, but on the whole, the local owners tend to be more aggressive and they tend to be 
better owners because the community is holding them accountable. They want to walk around town. Chris Hill talks about it, you know, that his wife couldn't go to the grocery store when he let uh, Ron McBride go. You know, when you're right in the community and the community is invested and the community sees you wherever you go, you want to be able to hold your head up and you want people to be giving you the, hey, attaboy on whatever the last game was, the last decision you made was. But you don't really know how it's going to go. You know, and we have seen teams, owners come in and everything just goes sideways. When I was a kid growing up and when you were a kid growing up, the Dodgers were it for decades. They had like a 30-year run and maybe it was longer than that going back to Brooklyn, where they were great. And Fox bought them, and I can remember all the griping, the Fox network with all their money. Now the Dodgers will never lose. And it turned out they never won. <laughs> they never won. They finally got this World Series. It was the first one since 88. So you never really know. But when you hear that kind of stuff, you think, hey, nobody's perfect, and he's probably going to make mistakes, but he's going to be aggressive, and he's going to try to hold on to good people. And if you've ever rooted for a team that was pretty casual about hiring, holding on to good people, that's a bad place to be. So, you know, if he's yeah, going to be I, aggressive and double, I think NBA assistants, I mean, there's a wide range, but I think the better NBA assistants are all over uh, half a million towards a million. Most of them, yes, probably a few yes. outliers. And, and we know Larry was making three mil, and I don't know that the new coach uh, will find out because there'll be an open, you know, there'll be Freedom of Information Act, the open records request, and so we'll know. Um, correct. But... At minimum, and you may scale back from that, right? They're buying out a coach, and it's a pandemic. Uh, and two, two, between two, two and a half. Yes, I would think. I would think the floor. It's if it's under two million, I'll be shocked. But if it's uh, something over two million with some increases built in, that that won't shock me. So correct. If 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 that word aggressive, you got told, and I trust your reporting on this because when you're screwing around and you're talking about the Snickledorfs, you're screwing around talking about the Snickledorfs. But like. Alex went to people. high school here, and it's people's careers, and it's people's reputation, and you're not going to screw around with that. So when I hear aggressive, I assume that that means if you're going to get in the same zip code, was the phrase you used, mm-hmm. and the way you said it, I think you're repeating what someone told you. I'm Correct. assuming that aggressive in Ryan's, Ryan Smith's world means, well, you better be ready to double him. And I don't have any idea you know, if Alex is making you know, 575 or 700 or 950. I don't know. I, you know He's I, not making a million. Okay. And, and I wouldn't assume he is, but that's just an assumption. Well, right I guarantee you he's not. Okay. So, you know, if you're doubling somebody's salary, you really want to keep them. You are going to value people who are in your yes. organization who are, good, who are good. And to get casual and let those people walk, man, that, that hurts. And there's plenty of examples across plenty of sports across multiple decades. So that's good. But, you know, you can't put a price on home. And sometimes it means more, even to the same person, it means more at a different point in their life. And family. Right. When you have young kids, when your parents are getting older, you get a couple of those situations. Uh, Now, at the same time, when you're empty nesters, you know, I know some people were surprised. We always, we've had Rocky Long on the show, and he went to San Diego State, and I grew up going to Aztec games. They're in the Mountain West, so we talk about them. And I can remember uh, my dad was still alive at that point, and he's a San Diego State alum. He's the reason I root for San Diego State. And he said, I can't believe Rocky's coming here. And I'm like, Dad, you've never lived anywhere else. Of course he's going to San Diego. He's at the empty nest phase. He can buy a 
condo in Coronado and put his wife looking out at the water and able to walk around this small, charming town. Right. And he's got a 20 minute commute (laughs) with no traffic at the hours he's going and coming. Slam dunk. He could be there a decade. He's going to be happy. He's going to win. He's a good coach, you know, and it all played out that way. So you got to allow people at their point in life. And I, I really did. The ears perked up when Juddy said, you know, the wife, the extended family, the mm-hmm. young kids, yeah. like, wow. Yeah. You know, it's easy to say, hey, he's an NBA guy on an NBA track. He won't take a college job. But you got to factor all this other stuff in, you know. Almost but regardless definitely. of how this plays out, you know, that Ryan Smith's going to make a strong push at him. Ryan came in and said all the right things. But, uh, you know, you go back to the Greg Ostertag era and uh, the former uh, Blazer coach, Jack Ramsey, who was a longtime ESPN commentator. He's passed away around. Uh, he would tell the truth. But he didn't like to jump up and down on people in the media because he'd been on the other side and had people jumping up and down on him and his guys. And he said once about Ostertag, and I thought it was perfect. He said, he says all the right things, but with, a gra- with, with Greg, there seems to be a gap between the saying and the doing. And that is not unusual, right? We all can look at our own lives, if we're being totally honest. You don't have to tell anyone, but if you just look in the mirror, like, yeah, I thought this right, and I said that, but I was really over here, wasn't I? I wasn't where I said I was. I was over here. So Ryan said the right things at the press conference. I think Jazz fans should be pumped that you just said he's going to be aggressive, and whether it's a 75% raise or a 90% raise or 115% raise isn't really important. Value your own people and be aggressive to retain them. But as Joe said, if it's what he really wants and college is home, walk in the halls, you know, if that's what he wants, then you got to wish him well and let him go. But make a strong push to keep him first. Yeah, I think that uh, if, as a Jazz fan, and fans want their teams to win, that's the number one thing. Don't be a bunch of knuckleheads and win. And I think that Ryan Smith, from what I'm gathering, now I've had since he's taken over. I have not spoken one word to Ryan Smith. I've spoken to him in the past, mm-hmm. uh, and I obviously I knew about him, and I knew he wanted to own the NBA team. That was no secret. That was well known in, in media circles. Uh, but I think that the you want your owner, you want your owner. Of course, he wants to make money, or he or she wants to make money. They have that right to want that return on the investment. But you also want them to own to win, not exclusively own to make money, but own to win. And within that, allowing the folks to make the right decisions that you hire and empower them to do that. The, the experts in the field, obviously, and that's Jay-Z and Dennis Lindsay and those guys, have them do that. And that appears to what it, what it is the situation. And I have been told that he'll put together an aggressive package. But, Alex, you know, the, the idea of being home and coaching – uh, at your alma mater and a place where I'm sure you believe it could win because you won at virtually the highest level. You were there, and you were a critical component. You were the player of the year as a senior, and as a sophomore, you were going to the finals and all that stuff. Oh, and, and there are legendary went, lines about yeah. Majerus complaining about how good the team had been. The two teams he had when Alex was on his mission. and, oh, and yeah, I think and they Keith Van Horn's the tweet, four in his senior year. Yeah, Keith yeah. Van Horn has tweeted – out multiple times about oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, he was in England. Yeah, our uh, <laughs> our ticket to the uh, final four is sitting on a bus bench in London. 
or yeah, something he, like that. He would have guarded yeah. Mercer, and Mercer wouldn't have gone off in Kentucky in the regional final in San Jose. I was courtside. That, that's right in my wheelhouse, <laughs> and uh, so I know all about that stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. and and the, the 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 pull of being home and not having to move it's very strong. My first introduction to Bronco Mendenhall. Uh, when I heard that uh, Gary Croton wanted him to be the coordinator, I got his number and I called him and he was driving home from, and he actually worked under Rocky Long at New Mexico, mm-hmm. and he was driving home. And this is the very first time I spoke one word to Bronco. And the guy had zero guile. It's why I loved covering Bronco and I have the highest respect for Bronco. He was an odd duck, but for me, he was great and I loved him. And he told me on the phone, Here's the deal, man. My parents are getting older. They live in Alpine. This is, I've got young kids. This is an opportunity for me to come home. I'm coming there this weekend. I'm going to tour the facilities. I know I want to be there because of my family. And then on Sunday, I'll make a decision. And I, I suspect that I'll take it. I was like blown away. <laughs> you're not supposed to tell me that. You're supposed to give me double talk. You're First of all, you're supposed to be irritated that I got your phone number and I'm <laughs> calling you on your cell phone as you're driving home from practice. That was, I mean, the, that I, was the previous coach. Well, okay, yes, but there was plenty of coaches. I once called Dick Vermeil. How'd you get this number? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> He's chewing me. I don't even remember how I got the number, but I got it. If I've always believed in my uh, from my level, the junkyard dog, if you work hard enough in this business, you'll get what you're looking for. And somehow I got, I don't even remember, Dennis Johnson. I call, we talked about Dennis Johnson yesterday. I called Dennis Johnson once at home. How'd you get this number? <laughs> a, a BYU assistant coach. I wanted to know about a recruit. How did you get this number? You know you're not supposed to have it. I said, do you want me to hang up? He said, no. What's your question? (laughs) (laughs) Bronco didn't even, he didn't even acknowledge that. He just went right to what he was thinking. And the lore, the point I'm making is the lore of coming home. Well, Alex is home. His wife is home. And if he wants to be a head coach in the NBA, it looks like Quinn Snyder's going to be here for a while. So he's going to have to move, most likely. Uh, So, yeah, who can blame him if he wants that? A lot of things to weigh. We all can relate to that. This is real life stuff. All of us have been there. You and I, man. I know. I, 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 and, we and I, we I, never I, lived at home. We never lived in the same friggin' state as our as my kids' grandparents did. Right. Ever. Ever. And they're all gone now. You don't think that bugs me to an extent? Absolutely it does. Yeah, and as I got older, I the every move I made was further away from San Diego. One of the moves was closer to my in-laws. When I went from, uh, from Santa Barbara, and my parents were in San Diego, I went to Sacramento. Uh, in-laws were in the, in the East Bay in the suburb Danville. And, uh, and so we did get closer there. And moving away to Salt Lake, um, you know, we had to. It was going to be either that or Portland, and we were going to move farther away, and that part of it killed me. And not so much for the in-laws at that point, but for the young nephew who was at a rough stage in life, that was not that was not ideal. Uh, and then any subsequent chance to move farther east, and there was one chance for Milwaukee, and it just like it, it's too far away. You know, it's just it's just eating at you. It's just too far away. This is not a good idea. Well, and I mean, and, and, I mean I, you you to not you turn down. It could have been Keith Overman and David James. Okay, stop. So, and, and that wouldn't have been a good mix because that's two hardcore liberals. So I don't know how that would have worked out. <laughs> would have been the wokest show ever. 
Yeah, so, yeah. Before woke was I'd even have, a thing. I know. We didn't even know. We weren't woke to know to be woke. I would have put my white New Balances up on the desk and say, "Look at this! How cutting edge is this, people?" And everyone yeah. would have rolled their and eyes. And you passed it up. Now, fortunately, now you you're, hit gold you're, you're because you got the opportunity to you got the opportunity to work with me, so that's better. You're into Sniggledorf makeup territory now. Uh, I just want to get back to Alex because you and I went through it here with the radio and liked people in both groups and didn't know what was going to happen with our coworkers. We had to decide first, and there were uh, I literally I decided. Uh, second, and you decided third, because Scotty G made the jump first, I think. And there were at least four or five question marks around us that we wanted to know the answer to, and we didn't get to know the answer. And we realized we were just going to guess and kind of, and we wanted things to go a certain way, but we weren't sure how they were going to go. And it was agonizing. It was agonizing for me. It was agonizing for you. And anyone who thinks, Alex is getting paid. This is awesome. Two people are fighting over him. I haven't spoken to Alex, and I don't even know how long. Not since the pandemic. Uh, before that, I probably passed him randomly in the uh, lower ring of the jazz arena down on the ground floor where the locker rooms are, and I probably said hi to him walking the other way. That's the last thing I remember. So I got zero insight into this, but I know him well enough, and having been through it, he is, he is dying right now. He's going to tell somebody no, and he's going to hate it. He's got two really good options, and he's just going to have to pick one. And the one he leaves, he's going to like. If he didn't like oh, the Ute option, it would already be over by now. Uh, I agree. So Why wouldn't you like the Ute option? I think it's a great job. It's a great, great possibilities. I, I, to me, the biggest red flag isn't something the Utes can control. And it's the, I, I think it's got to be one of the major hurdles. And maybe he's, already over, maybe he's already answered in his own mind. But for me, and you talk about this all the time when we ever talk about people, players getting paid, you're like, don't kid yourself, the best players are getting paid. And the only question I have is, I don't have any question about the, the top 20 players, right? Uh, does it go 100 deep? Does it go 500 deep? Does it go 800 players deep? And how much is it? You know, when, all the, when the, all the FBI stuff was coming out and all the shoe company stuff and Arizona and USC, you know, one tiny footnote in all of that was that uh, there was an allegation that uh, Kyle Kuzma got 10 grand from a shoe company, right? Now, the, the Utes, yeah, yeah, yeah. from that report, from that report, the Utes had nothing to do with it, and it was more a shoe company investing in this guy in case he hit in the NBA, and sure enough, he's a Laker playing with LeBron, so that was a great $10,000 investment on behalf of, a, of an apparel company. Um, and so how much do you have a chance to win and how much when you get into recruiting are you, you're not going to be able to get these guys because you don't want to, uh, as Kentucky did 30 years ago, because this has been going on forever, and Kentucky got busted, they mailed money uh, through a shipping company. I think it was Emory. I don't think it was FedEx, but whatever. And the, the thing tore open and the money spilled out. And that's how the whole thing broke in the 80s, which is why Patino had to come in with that group that, you know, all the, the, the walk-ons and the non-scholarship guys, and he, he somehow got them to a regional final. Right. And so that whole scandal started eight years earlier. I mean, this has been going on forever. And if that's the world you live in to get players, and if it's like 500 players deep, and I really don't know how deep it goes. I'm sure it happens for the elite players. I don't know how far down that's the way things are done. So, you know, does Alex want to have to compete in that world? You know, it's the, it's the only asterisk I put on letting Larry go is was the biggest problem, and I think there were clearly other problems, but are you not getting those big high school recruits you talk of, PK, because the waters are so muddied by all the cash, and you just don't want to wade into that end of the pool 
you know, because that end of the pool's turned into. And this is a quote from someone who works in it, who I've known a long time. Who's I asked him something because I knew he knew something about a scandal that was breaking with a school, and I knew he knew. And he said, "DJ, I'm not going to tell you about that. All I'll tell you is." My industry is a septic tank, and I'm standing in it hip deep. And I thought, okay, that's enough of the truth for me. I've known this guy a long time. I don't need to press it anymore. But how bad is it out there, and does Alex really want to deal with that? Now, you're in the pros, and one sideways look from a star can get you fired, so maybe you just got to pick your poison. Something to be said for that, and I get your point there. Yeah, it's and I I actually talked to Alex about the Cleveland job after the fact. Mm -hmm. Uh, we were is that those jazz uh, where they have the media play and media training camp. My day of trying to impress some coach is long gone, <laughs> <laughs> and it's because I've known Alex since 1993. We ended up talking about that and just enjoying each other's company, which I've done a few times over the years. And so, uh, yeah, and just talking. And we know the reason why I bring that up is because Beeline got the job, and then what was he? He was gone by Christmas or something, mm-hmm. wasn't it? It was, it was quick. It did not work. It, I don't think he finished a full season. I can look it up. Oh, but. I know he didn't finish yeah. a full season, but, I mean, it was way quick. And so your point being, as Judkin said the other day, you know, you have one good season, and then it seems like you'll be coach of the year, and next year get fired. It's crazy at, at, at that level. So, yeah, there are downsides to everything. And I can tell you, I literally know of a player who's in the NBA that the Utes lost out on because they weren't going to give him money that he can get elsewhere. And they thought he had him in the bag, and he's literally in the NBA today as we speak. He is, in fact, the Jazz just played him the other day. And uh, they lost out because of the money situation. So, yes, that's going to happen. Hopefully that that will be mitigated to an extent with this licensing and image and name and all that stuff. But I still think that to eradicate cheating in college hoop is ridiculous. And college hoop, of all the sports, might be the dirtiest because one or two players can make a significant difference, whereas in football you need one or two dozen players so one player is nice, but you need a whole bunch. And basketball, you don't. You <laughs> just a couple of players, and you are good to go. And so I think it just lends itself to the cheating. And plus there is really no AAU circuit in football the way there is in basketball. So you've got a ton of people who have influence that don't have the educational background. The days of the high school coach being the go-between uh, is just, that's over, man. That high school coach doesn't have as much influence as he used to have, and he's usually a little more reputable, generally speaking. So it's a dirty, dirty, as you say, cesspool. There's no doubt about it, and I don't know that it's going to stop. So, yeah, there's pl- pluses, and positive, pluses and minuses to everything. All right, DJ and PK, Alex is going to have to figure it out, and it may give him a headache for a little while, but... We'll see which way he, he goes in the end because he's got a lot, of, a lot of people who like him, a lot of people who are uh, leaning on him, no doubt. All right, when we come back, everything you missed in this show, stay with us. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Number one.
Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 Zone. We're brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join the big show Friday at The Warehouse from 2 to 6 p.m. at 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! Just like the trade deadline today. Boom, 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 and more boom. And that's really what the last few minutes have been like. Because <laughs> it is happening, people. There yes. are deals being made. And the good news is, so far, and of course you've got your doubts about whether this will last or not. <laughs> but so far, it's not the power brokers in the West. These are Eastern teams dealing with Eastern teams. Fine. <laughs> and See, none that, of them are the Nets. Yeah, you can. this way you can have all the rush of, there's a trade, who's moving, did it work, who got the better end of the deal, without thinking, ooh, how does it impact the Jazz in the playoffs? So far, yeah. So uh, we're getting a lot of people tweeting at us, thank you, Orlando, for beating the Suns before you dismantled your team. We're getting multiple tweets about that. Oh, true. That is a very valid point. And and if you missed it earlier in the show, we did tell you about the JaVale McGee deal uh, that he's going to Denver. So I don't want to say nothing is happening in the West, but Evan Fournier from the Orlando Magic to the Boston Celtics for two second-round picks, and Evan Fournier uh, drove into the lane with six and a half seconds to go and flipped a layup high off the glass over everybody and got it to drop, which turned out to be the game-winning hoop against... Uh, the Suns. So the Jazz now have a three-game lead. They pick up a game with their 30-point blowout of the Nets, or at least the guys who are wearing the Nets uniform. They aren't really the players we think of as the Nets. So they got a three-game lead, and now uh, Fournier is on the way to Boston, and I wonder how he'll fit in there, PK, because we're dealing with real-life people and egos and feelings and relationships. And on paper, the talent might make sense, but, uh, you know, the, the mix in Boston never worked, and there was a weird thing with Hayward getting hurt and young guys blossoming and taking over the team while he was gone. So that never worked out. I wonder how this will work out with Fournier going there. Well, he's a nice player, just averaging a shade under 20 for a lousy team. Uh, Boston, something's wrong there, man. I mean, they, they should be better than they are. The talent is not – they're not getting a return on the investment there. And we know Ainge. He's not a guy who sits still, and so he's bold. So – at the very least, it's worth a shot because you're going nowhere, man. You should not be just hovering around 500, I don't think, anyway. Uh, so it uh, gets an opportunity to be going nowhere in, in uh, Orlando. Uh, so he's a nice player. I think he's, uh, he's a countryman of Rudy Gobert's, right? He's from France. Uh, so uh, they need help. Give it a shot, I guess. What do you, at this point, what do you got to lose? Yeah, we'll see how that uh, how that plays out. Yach, you're tracking more deals. Uh, you were Yach was spewing out multiple ones to me. Well, What's the yeah. next one? Well, that yeah, Vukovic. He's headed to uh, Vucevic. Sorry, I pronounced Vucevic, that incorrectly. Yeah. He is headed to Chicago. Uh, he's going to get two first round picks back to Orlando, along with Otto Porter Jr., a guy that Jazz fans have long hoped would be here in Salt Lake City. So. Interesting move there. Orlando's just selling. They're, they've yeah. blown everything up. Yeah, I mean, he's a good player, kid out of SC. Made the All-Star team. Uh, so yes. So for the, for the Bulls, uh, that's a nice move. Uh, but Orlando's looking for picks to get younger and, and build through the draft, I guess, here, as, as this is a big-time uh, rebuild because I think they just got rid of their two best players. 
So uh, there you go. We know what Orlando's doing. So the, I, li- I like it from the Bulls' perspective. What about Aaron Gordon? What's happening? I mean, if they're going to town, then Aaron Gordon's got to move. So they're saying that Aaron Gordon's now on the trade block. Obviously, he's been the long-talked-about one. There's also talk of Terrence Ross. Essentially, Orlando, yeah, they're going fire cell mode. Everybody who's anybody, yeah. I think that, uh, from what I understand, that Gordon would love to go home, and he went to – he grew up in the Bay Area. He's a San Jose kid. He played the one year in Tucson. Uh, so I don't know what the Warriors got. I would suspect that the Warriors make a move or two, and I was listening to NBA radio yesterday for probably like two hours plus. Uh, Eddie Johnson's on, the sharpshooter. He does the commentary for the Suns. He and this guy, I don't know, he calls, I don't know who the guy is, but those two just scream at each other sometimes. <laughs> I mean, man, I'm, I'm talking, you're, you're thinking they're going to come to blows. Uh, they really get after it, and they were debating about uh, Orlando, or excuse me, Golden State. You know, should they build? And somebody I, I don't remember is Eddie or the other guy, and I'm not sure who the other guy is. They're saying, no, you got Steph Curry. Well, the, I think the other guy was saying that's why you should consider trading Steph Curry because you need to rebuild. Oh. Blah, blah, blah. And oh. saying, oh, wait a second here, you know, you know, are they if they they got Wiseman, who's a developing player. Uh, I think they got an opportunity. I think they have a top three pick. That's un- well, Minnesota has it if it's protected top three. If not, then they get it or they can get it next year unprotected. So they could possibly get a high pick there. You got Clay Thompson coming back. Green is still a player. So if they have an opportunity to get Aaron Gordon, obviously he would help. He would be re-energized and he gets to go home. Uh, do they have a package of young players? That's where I thought Pace's kid might be included in something. I have no knowledge of that, but it looks like he's a project, right? He was what he was what you would label as a prospect if we were going in in, in a baseball situation. He looks like he uh, he might be a player. Maybe he's a backup. I don't know. He's only 20 years old, so he's still just a young kid. So see what happens. But that might be something there, and and I I still think the Lakers are going to make a couple of moves and. You know, Kyle Lowry, what do you do there? Uh, 35 years old, but he can help you win today. There's no question he's he can help you win this season. So the Lakers have that interesting dynamic. And, and ESPN, I had it flicked on, and they had their trade simulator thing of uh, Schroeder and Caldwell Pope and that kid that I was talking about, the Tucker kid. They had him listed in there for a Kyle Lowry, a 35-year-old Kyle Lowry, who's still a decent player. So... Interesting situations that people, decisions they have to make. And I was thinking, man, if this kid that I just spoke of of the Lakers develops, I keep thinking of what the White Sox did. They went after, they got James Shields from the Padres, and they gave up Tatis Jr. Now, looking at that deal, anybody who made that for the White Sox should be fired immediately. <laughs> <laughs> there are, I mean, there. it is surprising how often a veteran gets tra- traded for a prospect, and, and the prospect is literally going to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, it's the, the, yeah, the Smoltz one is the ultimate example. That's a great example. Sure. How about... Um, the Padres, I think, traded got Hoff, uh, got Trevor Hoffman, and they got him. I think in the Gary Sheffield fire sale deal. Yeah, Sheffield was a nice player, but why would you trade a guy who's going to save five hundred games? <laughs> I, but she, she, I think Sheffield was a little bit better than a nice player, uh, whereas James Shields isn't yeah. or wasn't. And you gave up the most dynamic player in the game right now. 
Well, gosh. And now they got a kid that uh, the White Sox recovered. The kid, uh, Anderson, who plays short for the White Sox, is very good himself. He's an all-star level caliber. But you got to be careful on that. And that's that's the baseball thing because they got guys in the minors. Mm-hmm. And basketball, maybe it doesn't happen as much. But you still got to figure out. If I'm the Lakers, though, if I have an opportunity to get Lowry uh, – Sheesh, that I think that really helps them in the immediacy this very season, yeah, this the, very postseason. The 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 basketball is different because you're getting guys the the guys who are projects here. You know, maybe you can turn a guy into a rotation guy or into a starter, but you don't usually turn him into a Hall of Famer. The I Hall agree. of Famers are I the agree. draft picks, and that's why the draft picks are now protected because right. back in the day, people traded the draft picks. And you know, the the New Orleans Jazz wanted Gail Goodrich, and so they gave up the pick that turned out to be Magic Johnson. So advantage now, Lakers, yeah, a little bit, right? So uh, now those picks are always protected, and that's for the very reason you talk about it. You don't, I don't think you you don't trade an actual player who's been picked in the second round, and you know give up a Hall of Famer. No, and there's plenty of Hall of Famers in baseball who've come through the minor leaguers, practically yeah. every single one of them. Yeah, there's just a handful <laughs> of guys who've gone straight to the big. So we understand that's the process there where it isn't as much in basketball for sure, if at oh, all in Ru- basketball. Rudy, Rudy was late first round. That draft pick was traded, and he played in the G League. So I guess you can't – you can never say never. No, you can't. You can't. I agree. Okay. Uh, Yak, while we were talking, did anything else happen? It's really hard to talk and to follow Twitter. So if anything happens in the next 15 minutes, because we are getting up against it. The trade deadline is 1 o'clock, and that's when the trades have to be done. They don't have to be announced. So, you know, Scotty and Hand's show goes until 2. They could easily be announcing trades in the final half yeah, hour of their so show. So nothing, like, super recent. Terrence Ross from The Magic just sent out a gif of uh, Barack Obama crying. So apparently <laughs> we somebody else wants out of Orlando. <laughs> Why was he crying, man? That guy was so soft. Ooh, I didn't say that, did I? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I meant Terrence Ross. He's soft. Why Ah, is he crying? Okay, good save. (laughs) That is your cackle. (laughs) Oh, just having fun. Uh, All right. Anything you want to recap in this show? We did all the new stuff with the trade deadline, all the stuff that's just happened in the last 30 to 60 minutes. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome that that's what we're recapping because when the Jazz win by 107, there's not a lot to say. <laughs> 107. They won by 30. If you missed it, you didn't miss much. The Nets sat everybody who was anybody. Some of the guys are out for the rest of the season. Some of the guys are out for the rest of the road trip. Uh, they're, they're actually iffy here. on. They're hedging on whether Harden will play Friday. I expect he will. But we'll Who do see. they play Friday, do you know? Is it West, it's got to be a Western team, right? Yes, I will have that for you momentarily. They're uh, on it's a four-game swing right now. It's uh, the Pistons. Oh, well, then who cares? <laughs> I don't. I don't care. Does, Sit them. Doesn't impact me. the Jazz, right? It doesn't impact the Jazz. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Yeah. I read stuff on this trip that they, with uh, when Kyrie wasn't going, that they thought they'd be happy if the Nets would go one and two on the trip. And they already got the one in Portland, so they could afford to sit everybody against Utah and then see what they can do Friday against Detroit. But that's it for the Nets now. We won't think about them until we uh, get to the playoffs and see if they can get to the final. I hope we do and, think about the Nets. They're playing. Yeah, the Jazz Net final, that means the Jazz are in the finals, so run with that. All right, DJ PK, your feedback coming up next. Stay with us.
And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Have we ever talked to John on the air? No. No. And I've got questions. Is he there? I'm here. Hey, John, how are hey, you? Hey, John. I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, John, yeah. while we have you. No, no. We've had a, uh-huh. a, a long back and forth about a pitchfork incident. I want to know the details of my buddy here and your brother running a pitchfork through you. <laughs> we were out working and, you know, cleaning our hens or whatever you want to call it. And uh, he thought that he was like King Triton and he uh, threw that pitchfork and that is true enough. He sprang on the mark and put it right underneath the kneecap. Did you throw a trident? Yeah, I killed a guy with a trident. Hans and Scotty, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Time now to get your feedback on today's show. A lot of people talking about the Nets game, the Jazz. Was that a uh, a disappointment for Jazz fans? Was it good? Uh, Michael, I don't care. I'm happy to get the double. You will see the Nets in the finals, baby. That'd be awesome. Joey Johnson says a win is a win, but it would have been nice to beat the big three. Well, that's true. It would have been nice. I Don't know that he would have done it, but it would have been nice. Most definitely would have been nice. It would have been nice to see. Tommy says, no, I'm not disappointed. Play who you brung. It shows up as a W. It do. Following along says, it's the same as the Clippers resting Kawhi and Paul George. Teams are just making a business decision in games they're unlikely to win. Hmm. C. Payne says, not at all. The professional team chose not to play some key players against our professional team. No asterisk needed. Hashtag go jazz. So taking it as a business decision. Now, I assume you're not the fan who plunked down however many hundred dollars to go see a game. <laughs> Good point. You know, and there's, there's $50 seats in the arena, and if you buy two of them, you're out 100 bucks. There's $300 seats in the arena. If you bought four of them, you're out 1200 bucks. So when I say however many hundreds, I don't know how many tickets you bought, and I don't know where you're sitting. But if you went to see the Stars, you're disappointed. Now, having said that, there are people who plunk down that money, and they want to see the Jazz win. So... Even among those people, there may be a But this split. was an extreme example, though. It really was. And if you really want to see stars and you're going to buy NBA tickets, it doesn't matter if you're buying them in Utah or L.A. or New York, you need to check schedules. Because once you saw that it was a three-game trip, the second game was in Utah after a game in Portland, you know, David Locke always says that if you go big picture, the only teams where the numbers hold up where there's a home court advantage is Utah and Denver, and it's obviously the altitude. I'll take, obviously, the altitude, but I'm going to add they, the built-in advantage, and no one ever complains about their built-in advantages. The built-in advantage the Jazz and Denver have is a lot of teams go to the West Coast. East Coast teams go to the West Coast to start a road trip. They play, and they fly here for a back-to-back. Now, anytime you're playing back-to-back on the road, you're at a disadvantage. If, it's, if both games are on the road, that's a rough thing. But there are some flights that are harder than others, and if you're flying an hour and a half and you're giving up a time zone, that's hard. You know, if you're playing back-to-back and you're in Philly and you go to Washington, that's not as hard. It's just not. You know, New York to Boston isn't as tough. If you're going from the West Coast and you're going to Salt Lake or Denver, I mean, Denver's another hour, it'd be even longer. You know, you're getting in at 3 or 4 in the morning. I mean, we always mark it whenever the Jazz have a back-to-back. Well, did they get a full night's sleep? It's not just the playing two games in two days. It's having your sleep all messed with. You know, we've all traveled at some point and had our sleep messed with, and you just don't feel your best. No, not at all. But I think the best thing here for the Jazz is they've got a really good team, too. Right. 
And so at least that you didn't see their stars, but you saw your stars. And they came out and did their thing. Right from the from the get go, you see Donovan was dialed in, and he ended up with twenty seven points and seven assists. So and there I you think go. that you know we haven't really spoken about it, but the last couple of games, the slow starts individually by Mitchell, no, have not happened, and uh, we we haven't given that much attention at all. We haven't, and, but I think we need to partner that up with what Joe Ingles told us that you know there are games they know where they've had stretches where they haven't played their best and they've let teams stay in games, and then in a short period of time, it's easier for that less talented team to put the Jazz in a bad spot. And Joe said, you know, paraphrasing him, he said, but, but we did that to ourselves by putting ourselves in a spot we shouldn't have been in. And part of that is obviously your really dynamic offensive player coming out and being a dynamic offensive player early in the game. Don't, don't give them two quarters where they don't have to defend you. <laughs> Maybe we defend you all the time. Right, and, and I think Mitchell is of the level that it's nice to get the other guys involved, but it's nicer to have your star kick butt at the start. And the other guys, he'll get the other guys involved. It's not like he's going to be Allen Iverson or somebody, and this team isn't built that. That Philly team was built, and Iverson had to do it every night. And sort of like Lillard uh, in Portland. I mean, he really has to do it. The Jazz are more balanced. they got more talent than that. So the other guys, there's going to be opportunities. And whether Mitchell is a slow starter or a fast starter, the other guys will have opportunities. So you might as well start fast and get in a rhythm early. It's great that you can turn it on in the second half and still turn it on in the second half, but don't have to turn it on as much. And Donovan Mitchell's come out, and he's kicked butt right from the start. I think that's a good sign. Yeah, and you do, it's like you say, you don't have to be Iverson and be a volume shooter. You know, as long as you're no. playing games and setting stuff for yourself, and I think to some level Donovan does that. Yeah, uh, he does. Yeah, hey, let's have sure. instead of having five to ten points at halftime, let's have ten to fifteen. But let's do it on ten shots or less. You know, you don't have to use a lot of shots. You can still get other guys shots and get other guys going. You know, exactly. and, and maybe yes. that needs to be the goal. Is hey, I need to have I need to have four assists at halftime. I need to make sure that I've gotten other guys' corner threes or I've gotten Rudy and alley-oop. Mm-hmm. So. All right, DJ and PK, it's the Jazz and the Memphis Grizzlies tomorrow night and Saturday night, so we'll have more on the Grizz tomorrow. And Kyle Whittingham will speak with the media, and we've got a uh, question up on our Facebook page about Kyle. You should go to our Facebook page and weigh in on that, and we have been sitting on that because we've had some NBA stuff and deadline stuff to talk about, but we can hit that tomorrow. DJ and PK, Hanson Scott, you're next. We'll see you.